Sometimes it's hard to know how to begin a series this big. I mean, Genesis, when you think of it, you know, where do you start? So last week, we just started with, you know, all these times in Genesis, particularly chapter 1, where God says something, and it's good. God said it, it's good. God created it, it's good. But then you got to do the second sermon in a series like this, and where do you even start? And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go big. I'm going to start by reading something from Jonathan Sachs, who is currently the chief rabbi of Great Britain. You know, on the back of this book, the guy who wrote the you know, recommendation for it is Tony Blair. So, you know, let's start big. So here's the way he begins about Genesis. Genesis, the book of Bereshit, is as its name suggests about beginnings birth of the universe, the origins of humanity, and the first chapters in the story of the people that would be known as Israel, or after the Babylonian exile, the Jews. It tells of how this people began, first as an individual, Abraham, who heard a call to leave his land, birthplace, and father's house, and begin a journey, then a family. It closes as the extended family stands on the threshold of becoming a nation. This journey turns out to be unexpectedly complicated and fraught with setbacks. In a sense, it continues till today. This is part of what makes Genesis so vivid. We can relate to its characters and their dilemmas. We are a part of their world, as they are of ours. No other ancient literature has so contemporary a feel. This is our story. This is where we came from. This is our journey. Let's pray. God of all beginnings, We come before you this morning asking you once again to create in us together this morning, the body of Christ, a clean heart, and to renew a right and steadfast spirit within us that we may continue to serve you, the one in whom we place our hope all over again each day, the one whose mercies are new every morning. We give you all honor, glory, and thanks this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. I feel sorry for Weather Channel reporters who have to report during hurricanes. I I know it's their job, I get that, but I still feel sorry for them. Because I think probably the way that the whole thing started was that some executive in some meeting was sitting around a table and said, I've got an idea. Let's put one of our reporters out on the beach right in the middle of the hurricane. And some of the people around the table, I'm guessing, said, Are you out of your mind? There's no, we should not put reporters on the beach in the middle of a hurricane. And then someone in the meeting said, Now yeah, let's go ahead and do it. I don't know, it'll get ratings. And I remember watching kind of when that started. 
And then I remember watching last year here, and then I remember watching just a few days ago on the Carolina coastline. And seriously, this reporter was standing out there, and he was, I don't, I'll try to replicate it. It was kind of this sumo wrestler stance that could not move. And he was going back and forth with the people in the booth. And the people in the booth were saying, you know, tell us what's happening. And he's like, well, it's raining. Well, tell us more. Well, the, the wind is blowing hard. Well, what do you think is going to happen next? Well, I think it's going to rain some more. And then what do you think? It's going to, you know, it's just nonsense. Why would they do something like that? And, you know, now we're used to it. So... It's been a year since Hurricane Harvey. And you know all that business about time healing all wounds? I don't know. The older I get, the less I believe that. It just, I don't know, I just don't believe it as much as I used to. The flood was not good. Nothing about it was good. Nothing and I'm not going to go on to make some poignant point. But what we are going to do together is acknowledge the Lord today who promises never to leave us, never to forsake us. Floodwaters rise, floodwaters recede, and it's going to keep happening. The Lord never leaves us, never forsakes us. In the beginning, God. Genesis says more than that, but that's the way it begins. In the beginning, God. Everything starts with God. Every time a new day starts in Genesis, the new day starts with the same two words. God said. You notice that? In Genesis 1, the beginning of every paragraph starts the same way. God said. God spoke it, and it was so. So by the time we get to Genesis 6 and 7... A lot of days have passed, and a lot has gone wrong. God spoke, and it was so, but then we learned to speak. and We messed things up. You ever feel that way? That if I had just not said that, things would be better? This is why it's so good that Genesis is a story about redemption. And it's a really, really good thing that God is still in the business of redeeming us and making us new again. We get to partner with God in this project even when we mess some things up. So, back to Genesis 1. And every time God creates, Genesis 1 introduces something new with God said. Do you know how Genesis 7 and the flood story begins? I'll give you one guess. God said. That should cue us right away that what the story of Genesis is doing, even at the beginning of the flood, is very similar to what God did in the beginning. God said. One righteous person is left on the planet, which is good. I mean, at least there's still one. That gives us hope. 
This is a story about the project of creation. Because consider this. What does God do with Noah? What does God have Noah do before it starts raining? And this is not a trick question, all right? This is not, you know, theologian, oh, I'm going to get... No, it's not that. Just what does God have Noah do before it starts raining? He builds stuff. He creates. Doesn't that make sense? That what God has Noah do is to create, to just start building stuff. This is the opposite. By the time we get to Noah, this is the opposite of good creation when creation did not turn out the way God had planned. The flood was not good, but Noah was good. Noah, good. Flood, bad. Some creation's good, some creation's bad. This is the whole point of getting from Genesis 1 and 2, from all this Garden of Eden and big picture stuff, because then, after that, what is starts out really good, then we meet Cain and Abel, and then some other people and then a whole lot of other people, and then by the time you get to Genesis 6 and 7, what you realize is, all right, God, this creation business started out really, really good. And then Genesis 6 and 7 hits. Oh, man, not good anymore. That's the temptation to read it that way, right? Starts out good, time you get to Noah, it's all bad. Not quite. Because what Noah and the people immediately around Noah remind us is that there is still some good left in the world. You may have to squint to see it. And as outlandish as it sounds, it's only one person. One person. But it still is good. And so what does God do? God starts the project of creation over again with that which remains, because that which remains is good. If you were the last righteous person left on the planet, and God came to you today, the invitation God would offer you would be the same invitation that he offered Noah. And you know what it is? Get to creating. Start creating. Pablo Picasso, I read a quote of his recently that just has just stuck with me and I can't stop thinking about it. He said, every child is an artist. The goal is to somehow go into adulthood and remain an artist. Because adulthood, y'all back me up on this, sometimes it just flat wears you out. Just flat wears you out. And so it's no wonder that what God does with the last righteous person left on earth is to say, you remember that creative impulse that you had when you were a little kid? 
Go do that again. Did you ever, as a child, think, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to build a giant boat? God says, all right. You remember that? Go do that. Go get to creating. Now, I know how I would respond. I don't know how you would respond. I think I know how maybe some of you at least would respond. But I know how I would respond if God came to me and said, go build a giant boat that has to survive 40 days of a storm and then weeks and weeks and weeks afloat and you got to keep at least a fraction of creation alive the whole time. What if God told you something like that? What would you say? I know what I would say. You know what I would tell God? Uh, I don't know how. I've never been to boat building school. I've never been to gathering up animals and keeping them alive for weeks on end while we float around the water school. I don't know how to do that. And then I'm certain in my heart of hearts what God would say to those objections. God would say, I'll show you how. And I'll go with you. Just like the exiles in Egypt and Babylon and just like Rome destroying Jerusalem during the birth of Christianity during the mid to late first century and just like this time last year right here in our home the Lord of all creation, the Lord of our lives promised to never leave us, to never forsake us. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new Every morning. Every morning. And God still says, I'll go with you. The flood was not good. All the time in exile, all those times, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Rome, while we're in the middle of Jerusalem, the destruction of Jerusalem was not good. None of these things were good because they did not reflect the original impulse of God's creation. But you know what was good? You know what remained that was good? Same thing that remains today. It's the promises. When the flood hits, God says we do not have to go at it alone. When the flood hits, God says, I will go with you. The exiles, I mean, sure, it looks like God picked them up and said, you're going to go somewhere else. And that's what happens. God picks the people up. They wind up somewhere else. But you know what God also said? Said it through Jeremiah, said it through Ezekiel while they were there. He said, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. So this month, there's a lot of anticipation in hundreds of thousands of people. You may not be one of them, but hundreds, 
thousands of people are waiting for a new album to come out in just a few weeks by the band 21 Pilots. They may not be your style, but trust me, this is going to be a big album. And it's not just because they're one of the biggest bands on the planet right now, but it's also because of the messages of hope, promises, and themes of never giving up on one another. I think their best song that they've ever written is the latest one that they've released in anticipation of this album, it's a song called My Blood. It's layered, it's haunting, it's beautiful. Not just the voices, but the message. In the beginning of the song, My Blood, this is how it starts. When everyone you thought you knew deserts your fight, I'll go with you. You're facing down a dark hall, I'll grab my light and go with you. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I want to read a few passages of Scripture and just let them soak in. But let's set everything up with the first days, the flood, the exile, the ministry of Jesus Christ from the very first day until what somehow is imagined as when all of creation comes together. Just... Soak in these for a moment. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void. And darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Chaos. followed by light. That language, formless and void, keeps showing up throughout Scripture. Genesis 9. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you as many came out of the ark. I established my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy all the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the rainbow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. I'm going to read more, but I cannot tell you how many times this last week 
I heard the word chaos. You know how sometimes that just happens? You know, you buy a white pickup, and then all of a sudden everybody that drives by you is in a white pickup. I heard the word chaos over and over again this week. The beginning of a movie had a quote, you know, right after the, the credits rolled. Chaos is order yet undeciphered. And I thought, oh, wait, I just preached on this last Sunday. And then I read a news article about chaos. And then I read something just last night that said chaos. And then Daniel teaches this morning and he mentions chaos. And then in Lindsay's prayer at the table, and I didn't, I didn't tell her, oh, be sure to mention chaos during the prayer. Just chaos. It just, you know, those are the kinds of things that whenever my doubts arise and fears dismay, I'm like, okay, God is at work in the world. And then on top of that, I see a commercial. And there's rainbows in the commercial. And then driving through Louisiana on Thursday back toward Houston, and it's raining, and I look up in the sky, and guess what I see? A rainbow. All this stuff is happening around us all the time. There is chaos, and then there is order, and then there's more chaos, and then there's order. But if there's one primary message in what people call the primeval narrative of Genesis, Genesis 1 through 11, is that chaos does not end in chaos. You may be going through chaos in your life right now. It does not end in chaos. That's the message of Scripture. Chaos does not end in chaos because God is at work. You may remember if you were in class last Sunday uh, that in Jeremiah, the same language of chaos in Genesis 1 rises up right in the middle of Jeremiah 4. And the thing I like so much about Jeremiah 4 is that you cannot tell when God is talking or when Jeremiah is talking. That may frustrate some people. It's like, well, which one's talking? Well, you can't tell. That's the beauty of it. And so, just, just listen to this. My anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart. My heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war, disaster overtakes disaster. The whole land is laid waste. Suddenly my tents are destroyed, my curtains in a moment. How long must I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people are foolish, they do not know me, they are stupid children, they have no understanding, they are skilled in doing evil, but do not know how to do good. I looked on the earth and lo, it was waste and void. Same language as Genesis 1. And the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and lo, they were quaking. And all the hills moved back and forth. I looked, and lo, there was no one at all. And the birds of the air had fled. I looked, and lo, the fruitful land was like a desert. And all the cities were laid to ruins before the Lord, before His fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be a desolation, but will not bring it to a complete end. That is a whole lot of chaos 
for only one little glimmer of hope. Did you hear that? All this chaos, and then at the very end, God says, but I promise you, I will not bring it to a full end. Tons and tons of chaos, one little glimmer of hope. You know what else looks like that? Sometimes, everyday life. Lots and lots of chaos. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Mercies are new every morning. Then the people come home from exile. And either as they are coming home or after they've already gotten home, the second half of Isaiah keeps speaking to the people of God. And you know what it says in 41? But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corner, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cut you off. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. And then what sets up one of the most beautiful themes in all of Scripture, again, probably after the exile, in Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and be bold. Have no fear or dread of them, because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you, will not forsake you. We're still waiting. You still waiting? I'm still waiting. But we have something that we're waiting for. In the beauty of the entire message of Scripture, the entire message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are not waiting blind. We know that which for we are waiting, or we know what we're waiting for. We know what we're waiting for. A wellspring of the water of life, water that becomes a gift, not a flood. Water that is salvation in every sense of the word. You've probably heard this before. But if you've never heard the beginning of Revelation 21, you're in for a treat. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared like a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God 
is among mortals. He will dwell with them, and they will be His peoples, and God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away, and the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. God still speaks to us today, albeit in mysterious ways, but God is still speaking. All kinds of different ways, God is still speaking. You know what God says today? Today, right now. Even through unlikely sources, what God says today is what God has always said. When you're facing down a dark hall, I'll grab my light and go with you. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Amen.